And welcome to your Saturday game day edition, August 8th, as the Philadelphia Flyers take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's Flyers Daily, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Here's what's coming up on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, first and foremost, in just a couple minutes, we're going to get to my conversation with Flyers defenseman Travis Sanheim. Boy, has he been on fire in the return to play. That combination between he and Phil Myers in that second D pair has been tremendous, really since they put them together in uh, late December, early January. So we'll talk to Travis about that, life in the bubble, and much more. Also going to hear from Elaine Vino, post-practice sound from yesterday answering some very interesting questions regarding James Van Riemsdyk, also Shane Gostisbehere, who will draw into the lineup uh, in this game today, which is going to be played at 8 o'clock. We found that out very late. Uh, also going to hear from uh, James Van Riemsdyk, who was a scratch in the game uh, on Thursday night against the Washington Capitals. Uh, was practicing the day before on Wednesday with the fourth line. Message sent to JVR. Uh, hear him, and we'll see how he heard the message from Elaine Vigneault. Also going to get to some Twitter questions, as always, and uh, all that on this episode of Flyers Daily. First, the situation. And yesterday, it was a uh, toe-tag day in the NHL as four teams were sent home packing, at least at the time of taping. If Vancouver here at the time of taping and they're down 2-1, to one, could come back and win, uh, they would end that series three games to one over the Minnesota Wild. But the Islanders, they sent the... Florida Panthers home with a 5-1 score. They win that series in four games, 3-1. to one. Uh, Bobrovsky, the first goal of the game, just a horrible, horrible goal. And when you're paying your goaltender the kind of the kind of cash he's got and you sign him to that kind of ticket, you can't have that happen in, in an elimination game. So Florida heading home, the Islanders moving on to the field of 16. The Coyotes came back and ended up beating the Predators. Predators tied it late. Real late, and to think 30 seconds left in the game to force overtime, but it's the Coyotes who get it done in overtime. How about the goaltending performance from Darcy Kemper? 49 saves for the win. Wow. The Pittsburgh Penguins almost buried the lead here. 2-0. They limp out of that best-of-five play-in round against the 24-ranked team in the return to play in the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians get two third-period goals. First one comes about four and a half minutes left, and then Shea Weber gets an empty net goal. Carey Price, 22 saves for the goose egg. He was good in the game. Didn't have to be great to steal a game. The Penguins just had no urgency and no answers. Claude Julien tied Mike Sullivan's head in knots. He could not figure out how to counter what the Montreal Canadiens were doing. They were skating their butts off and they dictated that game, and they come away with the win. 2 nothing win. The Penguins, they're out. They're done. They're now in the, the lottery, which we'll find out on Monday, for the right to draft, draft Alex Lafreniere, the number one overall pick. They, along with eight other, well, seven other teams, will have a 12.5% chance at landing that top pick. But Flyers fans, don't worry about that right now. Don't worry about the fact that the Penguins are in that mix and they might get them and it's fixed. Don't live that way. Enjoy the fact that the Philadelphia Flyers are playing great and they're going to the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Penguins are not. Just enjoy that element of it. Don't let the other stuff get into your head. It's time to get some enjoyment in our lives after all we've been through. There's my advice for you. Uh, also, another elimination game and another 5 versus 12, and it's the Blackhawks who eliminate the Edmonton Oilers. Corey Crawford, how about this? 43 saves. For Crawford, he missed a ton of camp time because he was COVID positive at one point. He gets the 43 saves. He gets the win, and the Blackhawks move into the Stanley Cup playoff field. So that's another 12 seed 
getting into the round of 16. The Oilers, a five seed, bounced. Not good. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs came back. Ooh, what a game this was. Down in the hockey game, three to nothing, just like the other night when Columbus was down three and came back and tied it and won. Uh, this time it's the Maple Leafs who return the favor. They get the 4-3 overtime winner as Austin Matthews gets the goal, adds two assists on the game. Uh, you need your biggest players to step up at the biggest times. Austin Matthews did it. The game prior, the night prior, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois with the hat trick and the overtime winner. Uh, so they're going to a game five. And here's the deal. If the Flyers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, they'll play the Montreal Canadiens in round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. If they lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, they'll play the winner of the Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets series. Now, they went 4-0 against the Blue Jackets this year. They went 2-1 against the Montreal Canadiens. And we'll see who that opponent is. But our Flyers still have a task at hand, and that's to get that number one top seed in the Eastern Conference. And the good news is, is with that top seed, they could have, if you get to a cup final, you could have the home ice advantage there as well. Not that it's home ice, but you have the home team advantage, which is last change. So a lot going on in the NHL. It's been a fun week. Tons of hockey. It continues today as the Flyers will take on Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Andre Vasilevsky, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Had a chance to catch up with Flyers defenseman Travis Sanheim yesterday. Talked to him after practice about the return to play, life in the bubble, and much more. And here's that conversation. Very happy to have join us right now on Flyers Daily. He scored a goal, a beautiful goal. We're going to talk about that. Flyers defenseman Travis Sanheim. Travis, how are you? Not too bad. And yourself? Doing good, man. It feels good to be watching hockey. Does it feel as good for you to be playing hockey as it is for many of us to be watching it again? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I think we would uh, would like it a little bit better if we could play playoff hockey in front of some fans. But uh, obviously, circumstances don't allow us to do that. So um, this is the next best thing. And uh, the NHL's actually done a pretty good job of uh, setting us up here. So uh, we're enjoying it. We're, we're happy to be back playing. And um, as I'm sure the, the fans are watching as well. Uh, what's it like playing with no fans? You know, I talked to Kevin Hayes and he said, you know, once the game starts, you're focused on the 200 by 85 anyway, but you know, warmups are different or, you know, a TV timeout and then pauses in the action and there's not that mayhem going on. How's it been for you? Yeah. Um, I guess if you, you sit back and look at things, it's, it's definitely a lot different and, uh, you don't have that, um, you know, excitement of, of the fans, uh, you know, chanting and, and, uh, being there, but, um, once you get out there and you're playing hockey, it, it doesn't change for us. Uh, you're focused on the next play and, and uh, not really too worried about uh, anything surrounding us. Uh, before we get into some specifics on the games, uh, how's it been uh, life for you inside the bubble uh, in Toronto? Has it been pretty cool for you guys? Yeah, it's not too bad. They've, they've done a pretty good job setting us up. So um, trying to keep busy, whether it's uh, Xbox or board games or uh, we've been over to BMO Field a few times playing some long games as well. Uh, are you a guy that, uh, like Jake Voracek said on, on this podcast the other day, that he needs some alone time, so he kind of bunkers up by himself and, you know, puts on some Zen music, maybe run a bath. Uh, are you a guy that likes to hang in the, in the social lounge, or, or do you need some alone time as well for uh, just to kind of chill out? Uh, no, I mean, for the most part, I'm hanging with the guys. and uh, I enjoy keeping busy. I don't uh, I don't like being by myself too often, um, other than, you know, late at night when you're when you're settling down but uh for the most part i'm with the guys 24 7 
Uh, Hazy said that he he's always in there. I know that he's like the life of the party. Having guys like Kevin Hayes around in this very unique circumstances, it maybe takes you back to your youth hockey days when you go away for a tournament, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. That uh, definitely resembles uh, minor hockey tournaments when you're hanging out in the hotels together and um, doing different activities. So uh, not used to doing that uh, 24-7 with the guys, and uh, it's a little different living in a hotel um for weeks at a time um how, how much more prepared do you feel for this playoff run as opposed to you, you played in four playoff games back in 2017-18 as a 21 year old uh you're further along in your career now a lot more experience um, how much more prepared do you f- feel for this moment and playoff hockey even though you guys have played only round robin games but you're going to play the round of 16 coming up and, and playing for your life in a best of seven uh, does it feel different than that first go around yeah for sure i think uh it's a little easier on me um, you know, I was just called up, uh, right before the playoffs the last time. So, um, you know, it was a little bigger, uh, challenge, I think for me and, um, you know, let's go around. It's, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I feel more experienced and more confident in my game. Um, you've been in the league for, for a few years now, you've played 200 regular season games. Uh, when you look at it at, at this point, is it hard to believe that you're not 24 years old, that you've already played, you know, uh, that many games in the NHL? And that's got to be a kind of a, a good feeling to be able to get into that league and stay and know you belong there. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely flies by. It doesn't, uh, doesn't feel like it's been that many years for me already. So it uh, feels like I was just breaking into the league. And uh, I'm excited with where we're at and um, moving forward and want to continue uh, to, to progress my game. Let's talk about your game because in game one against the Bruins, you had a, a tremendous assist on a play, um, fill in the middle and just, just just a tremendous look. And then in game two, uh, Kevin Hayes does that great job that he does of puck protection and you dart to the net and he gets it to you. And I got to tell you, Travis, that was a goal scorer's finish there. That was not uh, your normal defenseman finish in the NHL. That was a goal scorer's finish. How'd that feel and how did it break down for you? Yeah, obviously felt good to get the first one. Um, I think with uh, four and four, it allowed me to um, kind of move around the offensive zone. And obviously, Hazy made a pretty good play to to you know make room for myself to to be open and and find me um, all alone in in front. And uh, just tried to make the best move that I could, and uh, got lucky that it went in. You're a guy lucky it went in, whatever. Um, <laughs> you're a guy. You're like the last guy off the ice at practice all the time. You're always out there shooting and stuff like that. That's where some of that work comes in to finish like that, isn't? It? Yeah, I think uh, you don't get you don't get much time during practice to to work on some of that stuff. So um, you know whether it's after or before you you try to um, do a little bit of skill work if you can and and uh, work on um, that offensive side. Uh, talk about the pairing with Phil. Uh, I had Phil on the other day, um, and he said, you know, the fact that you guys have been in the organization together for a long time at different levels uh, with the Phantoms and now with the Flyers is the reason why you guys have such tremendous chemistry. Why does this pairing work so well? Because, Travis, you guys cover the 200 by 85 at such a high level with both of your skating abilities and reach and athleticism. What is it about this pairing that just works for both of you? Yeah, I think you, you kind of said it there. It, uh, you know, our, our range um, that we're able to cover, and uh, we're both big guys, got long reaches, and skate pretty well. So um, we're able to kind of cover up for for any mistakes that we do make. And in um, saying that, for the most part, uh, we try to work off each other pretty good, and uh, we both like to get up in the play. So um, have to obviously watch there, but 
uh, we do a pretty good job of, of letting one guy go up and uh, when, when um, you know, the chance is there. And uh, Phil's been great to work with, uh, you know, on and off the ice. He's uh, been a good relationship with me throughout the years. And uh, we've built that since, uh, you know, our days with Lehigh and uh, he wants to get better. I want to get better. So uh, it makes it pretty easy to, to work with a guy like that. I love the modesty of hockey players. We're both pretty good skaters. I, I've likened you and Phil together. Now, just imagine for a second for me that a gazelle, which is an extremely fast, rangy animal, was a really good hockey skater. And I said, the two of you on the ice together is like two gazelles out there. You, you like that metaphor? I guess if that's what you're going to go with. <laughs> I could have went with like a baby giraffe that looks goofy or something, you know, when they first come <laughs> out and they stumble all over. But Yeah, it might be more fitting. <laughs> Not anymore. You guys have both grown into your body physically uh, at a tremendous level. Uh, having that relationship with Phil, though, um, on and off the ice and pushing each other all those years, th- there's a trust knowing that he's going to recognize when you jump into a play and activate and, and vice versa, and that you're never going to be put in a situation. And even if you do get caught a little bit, your guy's skating ability allows you to get back in the play and not quit on it. Yeah, for sure. I think that definitely helps. And, uh, something that over the years we've, we've worked, worked on it. And, um, you know, we've had times, uh, where we've both been up and it's worked, but, uh, it's not something that we want to do, um, that often. So, uh, just reading off each other and, um, we're able to talk to each other pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's fun to be able to work with a guy or play with a guy that, uh, um, you know, I have that relationship with. Um, I don't know how close you pay attention, but I'm sure that what was said in the media was said to you directly as well by your coaches from Elaine Vigneault and Mike Yo in particular, uh, talking about the confidence that they both have in, in you in that pairing as well. And having that support and knowing they have that confidence in you guys, you guys are still young in your career. That's got to mean a lot to both of you. Yeah, I think obviously being young guys and um, being trusted by by uh, you know the head coach and the D coach to to be out in uh, you know all situations and uh, key times in the game. Um, obviously, we want to be in those situations, so uh, we're doing our best to to you know play uh, to our strengths and um, allow us to to be out there in, in those times. And um, I think it's it's something that uh, we've grown throughout the year. Obviously, made our fair share of mistakes maybe earlier on, but. Uh, We've, we've come a long ways, and I think we're, we're doing a pretty good job of, of shutting down the other team's uh, top lines. Uh, still to come for you guys uh, will be the game. With, this is going to air on Saturday this afternoon. We still don't even know what time. Do you know what time the game is, by the way? <laughs> no, we have no idea. I've, uh, apparently, we're not going to know until later tonight. Yeah, probably after the Penguin game, but uh, people will know when they hear this. But uh, that being said, you're going to face the Tampa Bay Lightning for the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're a team that can throw a lot of looks at you and a lot of speed whether that's uh, Tyler Johnson or the, the, you know, the elite skills of a guy like Nikita Kucherov or Braden Point, uh, what kind of challenge does that team pose for you guys to try and get that top seed? Yeah, obviously they got a lot of offense up front. Well, not only up front and on the back end, but uh, for us as D-men, that's, uh, you know, you, you got to watch when, when those guys are on the ice and uh, with them, they're, they're so, so deep that uh, for the most part, you got to be watching most of the game and um, they're a tough challenge, but uh you know, we've had some tough challenges along the way with with both Boston and Washington. So, um, you know, we're up for the challenge. We're gonna we're gonna be ready to go again tomorrow, and um, we're excited to to be able to battle for first place. 
Uh, Travis, uh, having that you were here the year prior when you guys went eight goalies deep, I think I was the ninth guy had they gone one more, <laughs> which, would, which would have been really bad for you guys. Uh, yeah. Getting the goal. Yeah. You don't have to agree. Um, getting the, <laughs> the goaltending you guys have got this year with both Carter, Brian Elliott, and even a game, uh, a big game for you guys against Colorado with Alex Lyon to get the goaltending you got as a defender on this team knowing that if, if the opposition does get an opportunity, those guys are back there to bail you out and, and play really well. And in particular, Carter in the game against Boston, I, I was so impressed with how calm he was in the game and the way he you know, took reads on, didn't overplay situations. Uh, having that confidence with the guys behind you, the, the last line of defense, if you will, is huge not only for you guys as defensemen, but also to activate offensively, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think if you have that trust level with, with both your goalies, um, it, it makes it easier for an offensive D-man to, to take that extra chance and uh, jump up in the play because, you know, uh, you can rely on those guys to, that they're going to make that save coming back. And, um, you know, even just defensively, you try to limit the, the, the team's chances and, but in saying that they're going to, they're going to get looks, they're going to get chances on that. So you try to, um, put them in bad positions and, and then, you know, allow your goalie to make that save. So um, to have the trust level with both those guys, it's, it's been great all year. Uh, one of the things that's been talked about is your goatee. Is it going to, going to remain for the entire run? <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been uh, hearing about it quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I think it's got to stay now. It's part, it's like the part of coronavirus and the pandemic. Everybody's got this like insane, I was ahead of the curve, but everybody's got this <laughs> insane facial hair and, um, it, I think the new uh, trend is like homeless chic. That's the look. And I've been perfecting yeah, it for years. Yeah, I think it's got <laughs> to be with everything going on. Uh, last question for you. And uh, a guy tweeted this to me. And he said, next time, his name is Matt Cousin, by the way. He said, next time you have one of the guys on, uh, on Flyers Daily, can you ask them if they still listen to two times after each win? He said, I'm interested to know if it's still the tradition this year. Is that the tradition? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah, it's been all it's been all season long. So um, obviously, I guess maybe no videos of the dressing room, but yeah, we're still playing it. Okay, well, I'm sure that he'll be very comforted to know that, and maybe he can you know, <laughs> put, put the track on after every win for you guys. Hey, hey Travis, it's yeah. gonna be a fun run, man. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Best of luck. You guys are playing great, and we're looking forward to watching uh, the game today against Tampa Bay Lightning, and then the round of 16 coming up. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it. Great to talk to Travis Sanheim. He's enjoying life in the bubble. Flyers are winning. It's always more enjoyable when you're winning, and that's exactly what the Flyers are doing and plan to do. Flyers Daily is presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho. All right, let's get to Elaine Vino. He spoke after practice yesterday, and here's that availability. I'm curious how your kind of perspective on this round robin has changed from before the first game to now when you were the, came in as the fourth seed, had basically nothing to, to lose, now with a chance to earn the number one seed. Has it changed at all kind of your focus on wanting to get that, even though there's not a traditional home ice in these playoffs? Um, not really. Like I said, uh, you know, prior to the, the, the round robin starting, uh, for us, there was, a, you know, that balance between winning and getting our team ready, thinking about long playoff run, thinking about, uh, you know, there's a couple players that we'd like to get into some games since we had been out uh, for such a long time. So in that perspective, um, 
there's that balance that we've tried to find and at the same time to win games. We've won our first two. Uh, tomorrow, the, the winner of us in Tampa will uh, be the number one seed, which means that you'll have uh, last change uh, throughout uh, our conference uh, competition, uh, which is, you know, fairly important thing. So, uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it works out tomorrow. But uh, you know, definitely a game that both teams uh, are going to try and win. Hey, Elaine, um, would you be able to go into depth on uh, the decision to bench James Van Riemsdyk for last game and whether you expect to have him back in the lineup for Saturday? You know, it was it was less about uh, bench benching uh, James than uh, looking at the big picture. And uh, yes, James had been okay just okay so far after having in my estimation a, a real strong training camp uh, but I uh, wanted to get Joel in I also wanted to get Bunny in at some point and I felt uh, with the opposition that, that it was the right time so uh, probably less to do with with benching more to do with with the big picture James is uh, back in the lineup uh, tomorrow uh, he will be uh, back with uh, Derek and uh, Q on, on the right side. That's because we've moved Joel up with um, Coots and uh, G because uh, Jakey won't be available for tomorrow's game. Uh, with that said, uh, just well, I was wondering what it said about Connor Bunneman that you really wanted to see him play, and uh, just what did you think of his game? Well, you know, I thought, uh, you know, Bunny, Bunny, when we called upon him during the season, uh, gave us, you know, very good speed, good physicality uh, along the wall, could play left wing, could play in the middle. Um, I thought that uh, with Nate and uh, Tyler, that'd be a hard line to play against. Good uh, speed, good physicality, and uh, you know, for a, a good portion of the game last night, uh, they ended up playing against Washington's top line, a big physical line, obviously, with OV. And uh, I thought they handled themselves real well. So I uh, wanted to get a, a look at him with Rafi, obviously, not being available right now. So uh, with him and Q playing their first game, they're both going to play uh, again uh, tomorrow. and. Um, Ghost will also be in the lineup tomorrow. I'm going to put him with uh, Justin Brown. Uh, I thinking coming in that I'd like to see Ghost play a, at least two games. So he'll get another opportunity to play tomorrow. So again, it's that balance between winning and getting the team ready uh, for whoever our first round opponent is going to be. Uh, before I ask a question, on you talked about Jake being out. Is that uh, because of a physical problem or just – you want to give him a rest or what? He's not, he's not available. That, that's all I can say for tomorrow. Okay. Uh, my question is, you still don't know the time of tomorrow's game. Is okay. that uh, disruptive in the preparation? You know, we uh, practiced at noon today. Um, I'm very surprised no one has asked me about our power play because we spent a little bit of time working on it uh, today at practice. Uh, but um uh, we did talk to the guys about, you know, the different possibilities, uh, uh, noon, three or four or eight, whatever it's going to be, uh, we'll know at some point today. And players just got to be ready for it. That's just uh, the way uh, 
uh, this situation is right now. Uh, you got to prepare yourselves whatever time you play, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, hi, Coach. Um, I'm curious to know about playoff intensity. There have been a number of fights so far in the qualification round, and uh, when you look at the playoff intensity, how is it different this time around for you when, you, when you look at it from afar? Well, what I've noticed so far is, uh, it, and right now all we're doing from, you know, 12 o'clock on forward is watching games and watching hockey is this is playoff hockey. It's intense. It's physical. Uh, no one shying away from finishing a check. Uh, there've been some, some hard battles, even uh, though we know that we're moving on to the first round, our uh, battles against Boston and, and Washington have been on the, on the physical side have been intense like the games are. And that's what I'm expecting tomorrow from uh, our game against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has, uh, you know, gotten a little bit grittier. Uh, their games are obviously they're highly skilled team, but uh, uh, they can play any type of hockey and uh, we're going to have to be ready for it. So uh, it's been, you know, it's been intense. Everybody's here to play. Everybody's trying to win. And uh, uh, tomorrow it's going to be a, a good game for us and uh, we're going to need to be ready from the start. Ivan Provorov is only 23 years old, and he happens to look like a 10-year veteran out here in the uh, Round Robin series, at least. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, and are you surprised by his abilities anymore? Uh, you know, I, I really thought that uh, Provy had room for improvement. I still think he does in his game as he gets more experience. I feel both offensively and defensively his game is growing. But there's a, there's a young man that, you know, just loves the game, just loves everything around the game, the competition, uh, the work that has to be put in. Uh, you know, he's full-time into this about becoming uh, the best player that he can be. And he wants to be – he wants to play against the top – opposition on, on the other time. He wants to be there every time. He wants to have the, the most minutes possible. He doesn't want to take days off. you got to force him to take the, the odd day, day off. So there's no doubt there that we have a, a very good young player there. That's why Chuck signed him uh, for uh, quite a few years uh, because, um, you know, there's so much potential there, and he's growing uh, every time he steps on the ice. Quick, real quick, I'm assuming Carter Hart's going to be in goal tomorrow. And then you mentioned the power play. So with Jake out, how does it get reformatted on that top unit? And what have you seen so far in the two games? Um, you know, uh, yes, Carter is playing tomorrow. Uh, with Jake being out, we tried a, a couple of different looks today uh, at practice. I'm going to meet my staff a little bit later on today when uh, we find out about the time. So we're going to discuss uh, which look we like the best and which we're, which one we're going to go with uh, tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at right now, you look at what we did a great game, a great job against Washington's power play. We did a great job against Boston's power play. You know, with players being out for, uh, for the amount of time that they were, and the pressure that they're seeing from penalty killers it makes it a little bit more challenging. We've spent a, a great deal of time on it lately, and I, I think it's just a matter of time here before we start executing the way we have to and clicking on it. We've got some solid players that 
Uh, we mentioned this prior to coming into this in the, our last 20 games, our power play had been one of the better ones in the league. So very confident that this group, uh, whether Jake in or Jake out, will be able to get it done. Hey, Elaine. Uh, we're about a week into this thing now, and it's obviously been a really exciting week. Um, should the NHL consider moving to a 2014 playoff format for good? I, I think having, having been there a couple of times, to win four rounds, to win uh, a best-of-seven series, that's a, a big challenge. To add this to an already 82-game schedule, uh, it would be real challenging for players, their body, their physical health. Uh, making the playoffs in today's NHL, 32 teams uh, in the league soon, 16 teams get in, 16 teams don't. 82-game uh, schedule, uh, that's challenging enough. And then after, to win the big prize, to win what everybody wants to win, to win four rounds, uh, it's the most demanding trophy there is in, in my estimation. I don't want to take anything away from the other sports, but in my estimation, it's the hardest trophy to get. So the way it is now is, in my mind, uh, very um, interesting for fans because it's so hard to get into the playoffs. And once you're in the, the rivalry that's been built into the divisions and then moving on to your conference and then to the other conference, uh, personally, I, I like it the way it is. Uh, to add another step to it after an 82-game schedule, I don't know. Elaine Vigneault, always so forthright in his comments, but obviously Jake Voracek, as he said, not available to play today and would not expound on that. And we don't know what it is. That's the rules right now. Unfit to play in the NHL when they had the return to play agreement. Uh, we have no idea whether it's a rest day, if it's performance related. We don't know if it. he wants to get that top line going and shake it up and figure give Jake a rest. I have no idea what it is, uh, but we'll see in due time if Jake Voracek is back and available for game one of round one. He's an important piece for this Flyers team. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk did not play in the preseason game on Thursday. Elaine Vigneault, you know, stopped short of calling it a benching, but he made it very clear he wasn't happy with James' performance in that game uh, on uh, on Sunday against the Boston Bruins. So he opted to put him in the press box for the game on Thursday against the Caps. So James Van Riemsdyk addressed the media after practice, and here's what he had to say. I know Elaine Vigneault always likes to communicate to his players for maybe why they're not in the lineup. Um, obviously, you were not in the lineup yesterday. Uh, was there a message uh, from Elaine Vigneault on that? And just what was that message? Uh, yeah, you know, with those types of conversations, generally I like to keep those in-house. Uh, so, uh, yeah, not too much to really say about that. You know, uh, I just want to know, does that do anything to benching? Does it do anything to your motivation for the next game and, and moving forward in the playoffs here? Uh, you know, no. I mean, for me, I look back at uh, just my career and playing in the playoffs and all these things, and I've, uh, had success doing that in the past and again it, my approach is going to stay the same and try to be the best player I can be and maximize uh, every day so uh, that's always the way I approach things no matter no matter what I mean I love the game um, and again I we, we have a great team and I have a great shot uh, this year so uh, yeah my my motivation and my approach uh, remains consistent uh, day in day out no matter if I you have a, a day that doesn't go your way or if you have a day where uh, things are going well you, you you go to the next day and you, you have to do it all over again so that's uh again i've kind of learned that over the over the years uh with different experiences that 
it's always about just maintaining that consistent approach and uh, just going from there. Obviously, this is a new experience for everybody trying to uh, get their games back in gear after the long pause. I guess, where do you sort of see your game at right now? And what are you still looking to improve on to be ready for the start of the playoffs? Um, yeah, you know, that's a good question. Like you said, it is a unique uh, situation, obviously different uh, than we've ever really had to experience in the history of uh, this game. So uh, there's that that aspect of it. Uh, again, usually, again, like I think what the, we've been off for 140-something days or whatever it is and we're in a unique position where obviously we get these round robin seeding games to get ourselves back and ramped up uh, a little bit extra time obviously than some of these uh qualification round uh games but uh again i think looking at my first uh couple games i think again when you think about playoff hockey you think about playing with uh detail and doing the little things right and i think again uh i was doing some of those things well Obviously, again, I'd like to be a little bit more productive in the sense of just being a little bit more uh, dangerous and uh, creating a little bit more. But uh, as far as detail and process and things like that, I think, again, uh, for not playing in a while, uh, I thought stuff like that was in a good spot. But I think, again, just our line was a little bit off in terms of uh, just those plays that you need to get made to, to create a little bit more. But as far as as uh, doing things without the puck and getting pucks out on the wall, getting pucks in at the uh, the lines and having a good uh, F3 in the uh, offensive zone and things like that. I thought we did, we did we did that well. We didn't really give up too much. And obviously, again, we wanted to create a little bit more. So, um, yeah, that's be something I want to try to focus on uh, going forward here. James Van Riemsdyk is a pro, a well-thought-out pro, and uh, he, he says the right things and he knows that he has to be better uh, for this Philadelphia Flyers team. We'll see how he performs coming up this evening against the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's a lot of guys lighting a fire under your butt in this situation. Guys like Joel Farabee, who creates a lot of opportunities. He's going to learn to finish a little bit, a little bit better. He's going to, he's, that's going to happen. Um, but James Van Riemsdyk has got to be a part of this for the Flyers as well. He can prevent a great net front presence on that power play with those hands and, and get you some goals there as well. All right, let's get to some Twitter questions, and we start with uh, Stagger Lee, at OC Stagger, my buddy Eddie Riddy down at the Jersey Shore. He said, uh, have you noticed any difference in refing without fans? He said, in European soccer, the data shows ref have been, refs have been calling di- uh, plays differently. Now, there's been a ton of penalties in the NHL. I think there's a couple reasons for it. One might be the fans. I think that maybe is a small element of it. I think the biggest element is that guys aren't in tip-top shape, and you're seeing a lot of stick penalties, um, reaching, hooks, trips, little slashes, those things could, when you're not in shape and you're a little behind the play uh, with your skating. And then the other part of it to me, too, is probably like the beginning of every NHL season, the refs clamp down and then it eventually loosens up. I think all three of those elements could be in play and why we're seeing what we're seeing. Uh, Bob Haynes tweets in. He says, I see a common thread in these games. The team's doing the simple plays in their system are winning in round robin and play-in series. It's the dirty areas, especially on the wall, that are winning. And he's right. Uh, Elaine Vigneault spoke to that. He said, simple is better. The game's always about the little details. If you get to the red line, get the puck deep. Don't just chip it to the top of their circle where they can, they can start a counter rush and have a lot less ice to do it. Uh, it's the little things that matter. Now let's go to a tweet here from Justin Goodhart. He says, a lot of the scoring in the two round robin games has come from the second line for the Flyers. How would you assess the play from the first, third, and fourth lines? And are you at all concerned with the first line's lack of scoring? Yeah, I'm uh, minimally concerned. They did have 
the, the task for good portions of those games of defending against the perfection line with Bergeron, Marchand, and David Pasternak, who scored 48 goals, and the Backstrom line with Alexander Ovechkin, who also scored 48 goals. Um, and he kept those lines off the scoreboard. But that line does need to produce on the scoreboard with Jake Voracek, Sean Couturier, and Claude Giroux. They've had some good looks. They just have him buried. Um, today's another opportunity for that. But, look, if the Flyers are going to go far in the playoffs, you need your star players to be really good. And you know, th- those guys are star players. They're getting paid like it. Maybe not Couturier because he signed a very team-friendly deal as it looks right now. But uh, those players are going to have to perform, and they know they have to perform. Uh, and I'm sure that's being communicated by Elaine Vigneault as well. Uh, Filthy Rich tweets in and says, clearly the TK Hayes-Lawton line has been huge for us so, so far. Who's the next player that gets going for us, meaning the Flyers? Um, I, I think Giroux. Giroux was really good uh, from February on, led the team in scoring. And I think he's just on the edge of it right now, getting his, his feet dialed in with his hands, dialed in with his brain, and everything coming together at once. Really skilled players have to have it all come together. And he is one of those guys with elite skill and, and hockey IQ. And when it comes together, I think he could bust out. So that's probably the guy for me. Anthony tweets in and says, uh, am I wrong in saying this has been the most entertaining hockey we've seen in a seven-day span in a long time and we're not even in round one? Yeah, I think it is. Getting games from noon till past midnight every night is awesome. I looked at the clock today at 545, and I said, oh, my God, we still have seven more hours of hockey. It's been phenomenal. Been great. Love it. Joshua tweets in with a great question. He says, how do you think the Flyers will respond when they face adversity and are down in a game or series? We are so used to the nine-game winning streak and 2-0 and in the round robin. This is a great question. I have to address this. this is, uh, I think they'll respond well because I think the, the foundation of accountability that Elaine Vigneault has preached and built is so prevalent in this team, and it took a little while for it to happen. But once it took hold, and I think it's got hold again, even with the pause, um, it's there, and it's one of their biggest assets. They didn't lose back-to-back games from January 4th and January 8th until the rest of the season. And in all of those situations, with the exception of one, when they came off a loss, they faced a quality opponent, whether that was facing the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Florida Panthers, the New York Rangers, who were all battling for playoff spots, or the St. Louis Blues, or the Boston Bruins. All good teams. The only team that you would deem as an inferior opponent at that time coming off a loss was the L.A. Kings, who they beat 4-1. to one. So they bounced back from losses. One loss never turned into two. Two never turned into three from that point on. That's a great trait. And so I think they'll respond to that adversity in a, in a very positive fashion. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. It's game day. Everybody enjoy the game tonight. Flyers Daily is presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Everybody enjoy game day. Enjoy your hockey. And we'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Sitting on an angry chair.